This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and I've got a very special guest right here in the studio with me today, and that is... Oh, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is Vanessa Gardner, who, of course, has been with us many times in the past, but it's just you and I it's for this episode. Us. Yeah, Well, not really, because that fanfare gave a clue. Originally, I had that purposed for our special, special guest. Oh, I'm just the special guest. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a special guest okay. for the episode. But we are talking all about uh, Mary Poppins, which is a concert that's happening this weekend. It's Saturday night. At uh, the Stranahan Theater, right, at 4 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon. So if you're used to going to those evening concerts, you want to make sure that you get the right time and the right venue for Mary Poppins Film with Orchestra. That's Saturday evening, January 21st. The conductor, Daniel Meyer, who is our special, special guest, uh, could not be here today, but... (laughs) We, I did talk with him a few days ago, and we uh, had a little fun with the soundboard. So if, uh, you know, we get lonely, we can always bring in Daniel to so talk to us. So did you ask him the same quiz questions you're going to ask me? Nope. The quiz is just for you. That is very unfair. <laughs> it's yours to win or lose, right? Okay. Well, we'll find out. I have that quiz. Uh, I have that quiz coming a little bit later in the program. Okay. But you, Vanessa Gardner, are now the Vice President of Marketing and Operations. So congratulations to you for that. I think you mean condolences. (laughs) Anyway, let's take a moment to listen to one of the things that I recorded with Daniel. We're going to get to know him really well. Even though he's not here, I had a nice conversation with him, and I asked him to tell us his story. So we're going to listen to Daniel's story. Well, I was actually born in Canton, Ohio, raised in Northeast Ohio, Um, grew up with all the Cleveland sports teams and just adoring Cleveland, just very happy childhood. Um, My mother was a vocal music teacher in the public schools for 30 years. My father uh, is a business consultant. Um, Music was a huge part of our family's life. Um, We all started taking piano lessons in kindergarten and then these were those uh, blessed era in the public schools when at uh, grade three, everybody was marched into a room and we got to look at these instruments and say, oh, I want to play that. And I picked up a violin and put it under my chin and got to hold the bow. And I thought, oh, this is for me. So I decided to take the violin from third grade and, and started in the schools. And music was always a passion. Um, I, I loved participating. I loved making it a part of my life. Uh, I didn't realize that it could be a career path really until considerably later, but uh, being creative in music and being a composer was also a part of my my upbringing. So I was writing music um, in high school and we created those dreaded class projects where, you know, everybody has to get together with your friends and talk about a particular work of literature or something like that. And I, I we chose Bram Stoker's Dracula to write a little operetta to, uh, even uh, Chaucer's The Wife of Bath's Tale. I, I wrote a little operetta to, and of course, picked my friends that I knew could sing well. And they sang, and uh, kind of my my love for performing and and being involved in music was kind of launched in, in, at that point. And I just really decided that music was always going to be a part of my life. Didn't know that it was going to be a, a 
a complete career path until I wrote a piece of music for my college choir at Denison University. And I had the opportunity to get up in front of the group and actually conduct it. And that, for me, was the lightning bolt moment. That was the moment at which I knew that I had to figure out what it took to become a conductor. I loved it. I loved how it energized me and, and how frightening it was, but yet how invigorating it was and stimulating it was. And, uh, of course, to get a chance to even perform your own music and have your colleagues sing it for you was pretty wonderful. But then also to get to shape it as a conductor, I think, was was the moment. That was my seminal moment in terms of uh, launching a, a career or a pathway in, into becoming a conductor. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am today. It, you know, it's, it turns out that there really is no prescribed path. You really just have to look for good opportunities and wonderful graduate programs in conducting because there are very few that actually allow you to start conducting officially in the in an undergraduate space. But of course, there are many wonderful grad programs here in the U.S. for conductors, and I just happen to be very lucky to to find a spot at the Cincinnati Conservatory, and that's really where I got my first formal conducting training. Yay! Okay. I want to talk to him about Dracula. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, that, that would be interesting for him to bring, you know, some of his own music yeah. to the stage. He may have done that in the past. I don't know. I, I should have asked him that question. But instead, since he is the conductor of Mary Poppins, I asked him about conducting an orchestra with film. We've mm-hmm. talked with Elaine Trudell about that before because mm-hmm. he has done, what, West Side Story. And, yeah, we did Psycho earlier yeah, this year. Yeah, Psycho earlier this year. But uh, Mary Poppins has Daniel Meyer at the podium, who is an Ohio native, by the way. K- kudos for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did ask him about the difficulty of conducting film with orchestra. Let's listen to that now. We'll, we'll pretend like Daniel's sitting right next to you, Vanessa, okay? <laughs> Great. Here we go. Actually, I find conducting films to be among the most difficult things I've ever been asked to do. And it's because it really goes against the grain in terms of what we're trained to do as conductors. That is to inhabit a work, reinterpret it, and then make it work for the acoustic and for the ensemble with which you're working. And in this case, you're very much um, a slave to the film. You have to follow the film within milliseconds because you may be conducting a huge dance sequence for eight minutes, and then all of a sudden Dick Van Dyke is going to sing in in measure 562, (laughs) and you have to be precisely with him at that specific moment. So my life when I'm conducting a a film is really dictated by the tyranny of the click track. (laughs) So I have to listen to the click track, inhabit it, but also be a little bit ahead of it, anticipate what's going to happen, because by the time I give the cue and the orchestra responds, then the click track may have already passed, you know, that specific click or that moment. So I really have to live in a world that's ahead of everybody else, yet also being somehow able to process all the information that's coming my way in terms of the way the musicians are reacting and the way that they're performing. So, and also have you know headphones in your ears so that you don't lose track of what's happening in the course of the music. So it's an enormously difficult undertaking. I don't know why any conductors have agreed to say yes to this <laughs> project, but I mean, at the end of the day, Mary Poppins is a phenomenal work. It is musically just completely admirable. I mean, the the songs by the Sherman Brothers are the songs. They're wonderful. They're memorable. 
they've made it into the, the culture. Everybody knows supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Everybody knows Let's Go Fly a Kite. I mean, there are just specific songs. Um, Feed the Birds, oh, what an absolutely beautiful ballad. Those are songs that will stand the test of time. But then you've got this incredible work of Erwin Kostel, who took the Sherman Brothers' music and created an entire orchestral score, an underpinning, to thread all of these musical moments together. And that is, the, uh, to my mind, the genius of this film, is how beautifully and how seamlessly he takes those themes and creates an entire underscore that takes you from the beginning to the end and really sweeps you along with the story. That's really a behind-the-scenes look. I mean, yeah. I think that people that go see these concerts, they don't necessarily realize what a difficult venture it is to put a film that was made in the 1960s up yeah. there, you know, like Daniel Meyer was talking about Dick Van Dyke is going to sing, you know, and you want the orchestra to be right there with him. Exactly. It's much more different than providing the soundtrack to Star Wars, which is primarily action, right? There's no singing along with the score in yeah. Star Wars. There's no dancing, really, unless you count, you know, the that one bar scene. But that doesn't really <laughs> count. Um, but, yeah, the, to be right there on point with the footwork that they're doing mm -hmm. and then the singing, uh, it's stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Elaine had a taste of that when he did West Side Story, mm -hmm. I'm sure, with the singers as well. Mm -hmm. But that that is like a an element that is sort of the the extra icing on the cake, but mm -hmm. it's also very difficult. I love that Daniel says the tyranny of the click track. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna a use slave. that phrase. Yeah. That's a great slave uh, to the film. Yes. Slave to the click track. And <laughs> for folks who don't know what a click track is it Do you is, know what it is? I, well, it's essentially <laughs> a metronome in your ear right? Uh, constantly. Yeah. It's, and they usually have – the conductor has like this little device or whatever. It's blinking. You know, they're watching the film. They're not looking up at the big screen. They're looking right. at, at a display on There's their There's a podium. monitor, and that, that's called – streamers and something. I can't remember what the yeah. other are, but... You have to the, come up with a good saying for that. The tyranny <laughs> of the streamers. Yeah, the streamers kind of flash across the screen to let him, especially if there's no music, to let him know when the music is about to start yeah. and the click track goes and then, yeah. Well, I imagine the orchestra members also have to be on their toes yes. when it comes to this sort of thing. There are a couple of key players who will also have the click track. Um, per primarily the percussion section will have um, one or two uh, members with a click track on their headphones. Um, but by and large, uh, it's a lot of listening and uh, body language to make sure that everybody is together. So Yeah, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Well, I want to mention again, this is happening Saturday. It's uh, January 21st, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. This is an afternoon show. It's happening at the Stranahan Theater. You can find more information at ToledoSymphony.com. Now, are they calling the Stranahan box office, or can they get tickets through the regular box office? At Toledo Symphony box office, and we, we made that 4 o'clock time so that you could bring your kids, because this is such a kid-friendly yeah. performance. So totally. It's part of our Key Bank Pop series, which is normally in the evening, but, you know, we've been actually... Mary Poppins has been postponed, I think, twice mm. due to COVID. So we're right. finally able to do it, and you can bring your kids. It's at a perfect time. Maybe go out to dinner afterwards. And, yeah, it's a good family yeah, make day. Make a day of it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, the phone number for the box office at Toledo Symphony is 
8000. We've said that many times during the course of this program. It's one of the only phone numbers I have memorized. <laughs> yes. And it took me about three or four years to memorize it, but I think I've got it now. I don't even have my own office number memorized. I have to look at my business card. <laughs> Very nice. Let's talk about Mary Poppins because yeah. you and I have both uh, seen the movie. I've many seen times. it many times. Many yeah. Times. Uh, tell us about your experience with with uh, Mary Poppins. So my granddad bootlegged Mary Poppins when it was shown on TV in the early 80s. And he recorded it onto VHS. And that is my first viewing of Mary Poppins was a recorded TV airing. And my granddad had this VCR that had a wired remote that was, I don't know, 10 feet long maybe. And my brother and I would sit as far away from the TV as the remote would go so that we could fast forward through the commercials. So it was your, <laughs> like, you know, early version of on-demand viewing where you could yeah. fast forward commercials. And we watched uh, we watched that film over and over and over. I probably have most of the words to all the songs memorized. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see on Saturday. I hope that there's some singing along in the audience. Well, the Sherman Brothers kind of set the soundtrack for yeah. your youth and for my youth. And for anybody who's seen it, you know, I still consider myself a bit of a kid and I'm almost 60 years old. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful experience for kids of all ages, as yes. they say. And I think it, especially if you did watch it as a child, you know, in whatever generation, I think watching it as an adult is um, is a really special experience because there were a couple of things in that movie that kind of scared me as yeah. a kid. Um, the feed the birds scene I thought was very eerie. And um, spoiler alert, when when I can't remember the character's name, but when the I think he was a banker goes up in the air, oh, yeah, that was right. so scary. And wasn't that Dick Van Dyke? Was it the old guy or was that some or was that Ed Wynn? Uh, it wasn't guy? Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. I don't think. OK. No. All right. Well, we'll figure that out later and pretend like we knew what we were <laughs> yeah, talking totally, about. 100%. OK. <laughs> and then the other the other thing I have about Mary Poppins um you know, these films both came out in the 60s, and of course I started watching them in the 80s, but my granddad also did the same thing with Sound of Music, and I refused to believe that Julie Andrews was the same person. Because <laughs> in Mary Poppins, her hair was brown, and in Sound of Music, it was blonde and short. <sighs> of course. And that yeah. just wasn't possible to happen on the same person. So yeah. uh, so those are my my favorite memories. But oh gosh, I, I can't wait to watch it with the orchestra. It's going to be so great. And I think, you know, I just want to say that the characters and the whole feel of the film, we've talked about it being family friendly, but it's also really something that we need right now, mm -hmm. the world as it is. Yeah. And just coming out of the pandemic and all the upheaval around the world, a little Mary Poppins will do you good, you know, yeah, just a spoonful, a spoonful. of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice I, one, Brad. I've got all those uh, Robert and Richard Sherman melodies going through my head, <laughs> yeah. melodies and words. <laughs> yes. I love it when she takes that one that one spoonful and she says, rum punch. It's <laughs> just great. <laughs> That's nice. Let me get that for the soundboard. <laughs> say, say it again. Rum punch. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> That'll be like in place of this. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, next time that we do one of these together. 
Um, but I do have some special buzzers that uh, were generously recorded by Daniel Meyer, and we might uh, get to use some of those as well in the first part of our pop-up quiz. Okay. This is a, a Poppins pop-up quiz, Me right? against the world. Okay. And, and actually, some of the stuff you talked about may creep into the quiz as well. Okay. So let me get some music for you. I'm not writing them down. I'm just going to try to answer. Okay. okay? That's fine. This is... Um, Early 1950s, like, shopping music, Mm -hmm. so it's older than Mary Poppins is. Yes. I'm not older than Mary Poppins. Well, I am older than Mary Poppins (laughs) is. A little bit older than Mary Poppins. Okay. Question number one. Uh, The Step in Time sequence took a week to film, and it had to be filmed twice. Why was that? Is it because, A, Julie Andrews kept forgetting her lines... B, one of the chimney sweeps broke their ankle during the first take. Or C, the film had a scratch on it. What do you say, Vanessa? I'm going to go with C. You're correct. Very good. The answer (laughs) is C. The film had a scratch on it, evidently, and they had to go back and redo that entire sequence. Can you imagine? I bet they were psyched. Yes. Question number two, what other vocal talent besides singing and speaking did Julie Andrews bring to Mary Poppins? Was it, uh, well, I'm, actually I'm going to give you clues if you can't come up with the answer right away, okay? Okay. So clue number one is think the Hall of Presidents. Okay. No answer? Okay, think Batman. Uh. <laughs> okay, think birds. Birds? She whistled. Yes. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. That's a yes. Very nice. You, you're two for in, two. I have that in common with Mary Poppins. Yeah, it's a whistling. You remember that little animatronic Robin? That's where yes. the Hall of Presidents comes in. The, oh, okay, yeah. The animation and, and Robin, of course, Batman and Robin. Right? Womp, womp. <laughs> you see what I did there? <laughs> totally, totally. I have a... There we go. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so one of the iconic songs that you mentioned earlier, that we mentioned earlier, was Spoonful of Sugar. And who was the inspiration for that song? Who gave the idea to the lyricist Robert Sherman? Was it his doctor? Was it his son? Or was it his auto mechanic? A, B, or C? I gotta go with C. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm sorry, that is incorrect. No, the answer is B, Robert Sherman's son. He evidently had uh, got a vaccine that day for, Mm. I think it was the polio vaccine or something like that. And the father, Robert Sherman, asked if uh, it was painful for him. And he said, oh, no, they just gave us a sugar cube and and that made it all go, you know, very quickly. So, yeah, that's where the spoonful of sugar came from. Okay. Next question. What famous scene in Mary Poppins would be illegal to perform in central London today? Is it feeding the birds? Is it dancing on rooftops? Or is it flying a kite? A, B, or C? I'm going to go with feeding the birds. Congratulations. That's a yes. Very nice. Feeding the birds. It's not really illegal, but it's discouraged. It's highly discouraged. Yeah, especially at St. Paul's Cathedral, Mm. which is where it happens in the film. Mm -hmm. Very messy. Okay, well, we're doing great here on this quiz. I'm killing it. Yes, you are indeed. You're you're four for four so (laughs) far. It's a lot easier when there's nobody else, right? Shh. 
<laughs> Why was Mrs. Banks involved in the suffragette cause? Is it A, it portrayed her as a strong and independent woman? Is it B, it explained why she needed a nanny? Or C, it was in the book by P.L. Travers? A, B, or C? A. Sorry, it's a no. No. It actually explained why she needed a nanny and why she was away from the kids for so long. You know, one plot device leads to another. Mm. So this was uh, the reason that she had to have a nanny for the kids, right? Okay. Hence the whole story. Mm -hmm. Now, the idea specifically to make her a suffragette was the Sherman Brothers' idea. They came up with the idea for that. So they contributed more than just the music. Mm. Yeah. I just remember that scene where she leaves, you know, and it's it's such an important thing for her to go participate. And that's yeah. So I do remember her feigning feminism. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not to say that, you know, she was not really involved. Sure. The character was not involved with the cause, but right. it was uh, put out there originally to explain why she was so neglectful of her, her children. Mm. Fam fun family movie, as mm, they say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, when Julie Andrews won Best Actress at the Golden Globes, which studio mogul did she thank for being, and I quote, the one man who made it all possible, unquote. Was it Walt Disney? Was it Jack Warner? Or was it Louis B. Mayer? That's a hard one. A, B, or C. Just take a guess. B. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you like a little musical tag I put I in do, there? I do, and I'm really, really appreciative of Daniel's contributions to the soundboard yeah they're way better than the the dings and the, <laughs> and the buzzes yeah. yeah i'll keep that in mind for the future yeah it was jack warner because do you know why she thanked jack warner i do not she thanked jack warner for not hiring her to do my fair lady instead opting for audrey hepburn mm. because julie andrews wanted to do my fair lady but when she was turned down for that part she was free to do Mary Poppins, yeah. and the rest is history. And actually, yeah. Audrey Hepburn was a competitor for the Best Actress at the Golden Globes, so she beat her out for Ooh. that. Yeah. Okay, only one more Mary Poppins question. Then we have a special extra credit question okay. for you. That's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. extra, extra credit. credit. <laughs> <laughs> that's Warner Brothers cartoons. That's yeah, not, that's uh, Elmer. Disney, yeah. Okay. The word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, speaking of hard words to say, mm -hmm. has 34 letters. How many letters does the longest word in English have? Is it 45? Is it 189,819? Or is it to infinity and beyond? <laughs> A, B, or C? A. A? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. No, it's not A, it's not B, it's actually infinite. And when you think about it, you can demonstrate that by adding the word great to great-grandfather or great-grandmother. It can be great, 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 great. Just go on until... Yeah. Is that a... Does that count? I think not. It's conceptual. All right. Well, we'll give it to you anyway. Okay, thank you. All right. For extra credit, conductor Daniel Meyer who's going to help us out with the answer here. He's been to Toledo one time. It was about 25 years ago. What brought him here? Was it A, to visit the art museum with his family? Was it B, to see the Mud Hens play? Or was it C, to attend a TSO, Toledo Symphony Orchestra, concert? A, B, or C? 
I think it was C followed by B. <laughs> C followed by B? Well, okay, pick one. C. Sorry, it's a no. <laughs> Actually, Daniel himself will explain what he was doing in Toledo. I love minor league baseball, number one. I just love being that close to the action. And I just love watching young talent. It's funny because, you know, in the minor leagues, everybody's batting to impress and fielding is, well, (laughs) an afterthought in some cases. So it's kind of fun to watch these guys get up and really try to impress everybody. But, um, I mean, the Toledo Mud Hens is a storied baseball tradition. Uh, It's definitely a a ballpark I wanted to visit and a game I wanted to experience. So when I go to a community and they do have a minor league baseball team and it's ball season, I'm, I'm there. I love I love baseball, period, but but watching minor league games is really fun. And we, of course, have a a wonderful team in Erie called the Seawolves. I I love watching them play as well. So it's it's a fond memory of of my visits to to Toledo. Wonderful. So you should have picked picked B, right? Fifth Third Field is such an awesome place to watch a game. Every time I have visitors come from out of town, I bring them if it's baseball season. But was how how old is that space? Is was it there twenty five years ago? I don't know if they were playing at Fifth Third. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they were somewhere else. I I haven't asked Daniel about that, but now we have something to ask him. You know, after the show, have to bring him back during ball season and uh, go on a little outing. Do a collaboration with the Mud Hens. Yes, right. We have many ideas. You could have a little uh, baseball game on the stage, Mm -hmm. right, while Mm -hmm. playing a symphony. Yep. Yeah. What do you think of that? You think that would fly? (laughs) No. Uh, well, there is that PDQ Bach Beethoven Five thing that you know yeah. is basically a play-by-play of Beethoven Five, and um, you know, hilariously yeah. a call out of the horns playing a wrong note. Because <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. That never happens, yeah. especially well, not at Toledo Symphony. If you ever need a stand-in for PDQ Bach, you know where to find me, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. that's such a good idea. Excellent. I'm talking with Vanessa Gardner, who is the Vice President of Marketing and Operations at Toledo Symphony, and we're talking about this wonderful film with orchestra concert. It's happening this weekend, Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock p.m. at the Stranahan Theater. You know the orchestra. You probably know the film, Mary Poppins. They're going to be playing, accompanying an all-star cast like Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews and what have you. Wonderful, wonderful performance And as we've been hearing throughout the program today from uh, Daniel Webster, who's conducting the program, it's not without his challenges. It's definitely not Daniel Webster. It's Daniel Meyer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's bringing the devil with him, the devil and Daniel Webster. Daniel Meyer. Forgive me, Daniel. That was a malapropism, as they say. You should keep that in. Well, let's finish out the program today with one final feature from our conductor, Daniel Meyer. And... What I did was I asked him 10 questions, and he gave the answers to those 10 questions. So this is really kind of peeling back another layer of the onion, so to speak, and getting to know Daniel a little bit more. People are going to know all about Daniel before they even see him conduct. That's great. Yeah. Well, here we go. This is uh, Daniel's answers to my 10 questions. So I have 10 questions for you, and uh, the first one is, if you didn't go into music, what would you be doing instead? Oh, well, I mean, 
a lot of musicians will tell you once they decide to become a musician, there's no looking back. <laughs> and and essentially, when you decide to become a conductor, you just you have to jump in with both feet. But you know, I, I think about this from time to time. One thing I really love or have a passion for is architecture. So, and I think I would want to be a star architect. You know, like one of those architectures who uh, architects who is really able to put a stamp on a particular uh, space or a building so much so that it, it just makes the area around it all the more beautiful. But then also when you step into the space, like a Frank Gehry building or a Peter Eisenman building, uh, oh, his building on the campus of UC is, is incredible. Uh, the design and art, uh, art and architecture building is just stunning to walk into and to get lost in. Zaha Hadid, I mean, some beautiful, curvy shapes and textures that you can walk through. I think, um, I think I'd want to be a star architect. Do you have any pre-performance rituals? I conduct so many different ensembles that it's hard to keep one specific ritual. But one thing I do just before I step on stage is say a little prayer. It just gets me in the right frame of mind and puts me in service of the music and just reminds me of where my place is in the cosmos as an orchestral conductor in, in the coming seconds. If you could conduct an orchestra anywhere in the world, where would that be? Uh, does Bermuda have an orchestra? <laughs> I think it'd have to be somewhere where I could step out of rehearsal, just um, put on some sandals and hit the beach. So, yeah, it would definitely be something like Bermuda. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Wow. Um, one funny piece that has really held me throughout my career was don't mess with Christmas. And it means when you're programming a, a holiday concert or some traditional Christmas program leading up to the holiday, don't mess with the traditions that are already established with that church or that ensemble or, or that choir. People want what they want around Christmas time, and if you deviate too far from that, it's it's going to be problematic. And it's been great advice, and it's advice that I've I've held on to for a long time. So, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, maybe don't go into music. <laughs> it's too hard. And they were right. It is horrible advice. Um, but it's advice that shouldn't be heeded by anyone who has a particular passion for becoming an artist or, or making music their life. Where will classical music be in 10 years or 20 years or even 100 years? Wow. Well, one thing I can be sure of is that our field is a glacially evolving one, which is to say... We don't make a lot of changes on a dime. And, I mean, there's a reason why we're still playing Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms. I mean, that music has, of course, stood the test of time, but it's also great music for these orchestras to play. It makes them sound good. They love playing it. The musicians hone their techniques around these works. Um, but I think we're going to be expanding the repertoire. I think we're going to be looking at different formats through which to play our music. But I think ultimately, in, even in 10 or 100 years, we will still be um, playing music that, that we're playing today with a few additions. It's a, a very Darwinian process, how new music and new composers get performed. But then that music sticking and actually making it into the repertoire is even harder. So, you know, in 100 years, we'll be having a, a, a much broader, we'll, we'll have a, a more broad choice from which to select. Um, but we'll still be playing the music, the tried and trues that we love today. So what music do you listen to in your downtime when you're not conducting? Well, 
actually, it's very hard for me to listen to classical music in the car <laughs> while I'm driving because I get too distracted. I, I listen to the performance and I think, oh, what a great choice, or oh, what, why are they taking that tempo? So I get really worked up if I <laughs> if I listen too carefully in the car. So I tend to just put on nostalgia for me is uh, like furious uh, first wave, you know, where it's all you know music from the 80s and, and 90s. I, I just enjoy that. It kind of takes me back and uh, makes me feel good. What are you the most proud of? I, well, I would say my family. I, I just I love watching my son grow up. Um, I love watching my wife interact with him, and, and, and I love investing time and and passion into making him grow and, and, and become a, a young man. And that's just enormously gratifying for me. What is one thing that people who know you don't know about you? Well, I imagine people see me in a tuxedo most often, so uh, the thing they wouldn't know is that I'm much more comfortable and much more often wear a hoodie <laughs> than a tuxedo. <laughs> and finally, what's your favorite Disney film? That's an easy one for me. I love Ratatouille. It's just such an incredible film. It's so beautifully action-packed, but also rather serious and kind of it chronicles the life of a little mouse who wants to be a, a cook and, and I see a lot of parallels between somebody young wanting to pursue a, a life in art as someone who sees the possibility of what it would be like to become a great chef. <laughs> Ten questions for the conductor of Mary Poppins Film with Orchestra. That was Daniel Meyer giving us a, a real extended uh, backstage look at the uh, his life and what he thinks and his philosophy, which is wonderful. He's bringing all of that to Toledo with him. Mm -hmm. And we've heard so much from Daniel today. I want to thank him, even though he's not here, I want to thank him for uh, participating in Toledo Symphony Lab. And also to you, Vanessa Gardner, for, for joining us and, and talking about this wonderful movie that's yeah. been such a part of. Before we go, though, I yeah. want to know what your favorite scene in the movie is. My favorite scene in Mary Poppins? Yeah. Oh, gosh, there are so many. I mean, one of the things that um, they were very adamant about is that the the character played by Dick Van Dyke and the character played by Julie Andrews, that they didn't have a romantic mm. connection mm -hmm. per se. But I love when Dick Van Dyke is saying, you know, da 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 da, -da. <laughs> yeah. Everything is beautiful or wonderful Aww. with Mary, you know, and it's like writing the writing the edge of that sexual tension between those two characters. Romantic, romantic yeah. tension. And I I didn't see any of that when I was a kid. But, of course, yeah. later on in the years that followed, it, the whole movie took on a different significance mm -hmm. for me. And I don't know if that's my favorite scene, but that is definitely one of them for the reasons mm -hmm. that I'm saying. So let me turn the tables before we go, Vanessa yes. Gardner, what's your favorite scene? So my favorite scene is right before they jump through the chalk drawings on the on the pavement. And yeah. seeing those drawings, there's something really, really special about the color mm. in, of the chalk and how then, then they bring that to life. But I think my grandparents had some watercolors that kind of look like that. They're from, uh -huh. from England and they had some street scenes and things like that that look like that. So it, it felt very familiar to me. And then it was just really special that it takes you, you know, it's a portal to another world. So Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I like that we both chose scenes that aren't necessarily, you know, yeah. popular among the, right. the general 
yeah. public. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, this is happening at 4 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, uh, an early air time, early time for families to accommodate mm-hmm. them to come bring along. Bring your kiddos. Bring the kids. It's happening at 4 o'clock p.m. at the Stranahan Theater, not some of the other venues of Toledo Symphony. This is at the Stranahan. You're going to be watching Mary Poppins. You're going to be hearing uh, Dick Van Dyke and, and Julie Andrews singing, but you're going to hear the orchestral accompaniment of the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. Daniel Meyer is conducting that as well. And you can find information about it and also get tickets at toledosymphony.com or 419-246-8000. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO's streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. A very special thanks to Vanessa Gardner for joining me today, and also a special thanks to our conductor, Daniel Meyer. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91. Congratulations, that's a yes.